Hey guys, welcome to the Walsh Boys to Found Fathers podcast. This is Will Haycox. I'm here with Gabriel O'Sullivan. We uh, are here making this podcast for the glory of the Lord and just to encourage men to be better fathers, better husbands, and, uh, and just better believers. Uh, this is a podcast for men who have lost children by men who have lost children. And uh, we'll just jump right into it. We've uh, last couple episodes, we've covered the story of the loss of, of my son, Gabriel, and uh, Gabe here asked me some questions to just kind of follow up on that, so make sure you go back and listen to episodes two and three, and obviously we hope you listen to one to get the why of this podcast while we're doing it. We want to jump right into it. Uh, on episode four here, we want to go into my co-host Gabriel O'Sullivan's story of uh, the loss of his little girls. Thank you, Will. So... Uh, my wife and I, Ryan, we have been together for quite a while. Uh, we met in middle school and then were just friends for a couple years and then started dating in high school uh, right before our junior year. And we've been together ever since. Um, dated for about seven years, got married in 2001. So we are about to celebrate our 20th year of marriage, which is really hard awesome. to believe. Congrats, man. Thank you. Yeah, I, I remember being on our honeymoon, and there were these people on at the resort where we were, and I remember them saying they were celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary, and I just remember thinking, like, man, they look so old. <laughs> they look so ancient, and and now I'm gonna be that guy, you know, wherever we go, there's gonna be some newlywed couple, and and we're going to be the old people, so, well, I will. My wife's not. She's not old. <laughs> She's still young. Um, so, so yeah, we've been together for a long time. Um, my wife always wanted to be a mom. I mean, she went to college, got her got her uh, accounting degree, got her CPA, uh, got her master's in accounting, but her heart was never to be a businesswoman. It was always to be a mom. And so that was awesome, you know, so thankful to have a wife that wanted to have kids, and I, I did too, you know, wanted to have children, and and we started, you know, down that journey, we, we uh, down that road of, of trying to get pregnant, and it just wasn't going real easy for us. We, we waited a couple years, you know, we were married for a couple years before we started trying, and uh, it just wasn't going well, basically all I can say, and ended up where we were like, all right, is it time to try something? And so we were like, all right, let's go to the fertility doctor. Um, just went straight there. Didn't even go to her OB or anything mm -hmm. first because I was like, they're probably going to send you there, so let's just go anyway. So we went to a fertility doctor, did some blood tests and whatever, another test, and, and, and got on a medication uh, that was supposed to help develop basically, you know, eggs appropriately because uh, she was diagnosed with this thing called PCOS, polycystic mm -hmm. ovarian syndrome, where she, her basically her eggs just kind of weren't developing properly. Like there were a bunch of them, but they weren't, I guess, coming to maturation to be able to maybe, you know, be fertilized. And uh, so he put us on this medication. He said this will probably help. He was like, you know, it's, um, you know, should help. We'll, we'll see said there's a, a less than 1% chance of the woman uh, developing uh, multiples uh, with this medication. And we're like, okay, that's cool. You know, we'd always kind of dreamed, my wife had always dreamed that she was going to, uh, of having twins. I don't, don't know really know why. There wasn't that history of that in her family. She just thought that'd be super cool. And 
Um, so we were like, all right, let's go. So first month, bam, we're pregnant and super excited. You know, I remember I was actually here at the office when she, when she came in there and told me that, uh, that she was pregnant and, you know, it was just exciting news. We're super, super pumped up. So a couple weeks later, we go to back to the, back to the uh, fertility doctor and he's like, all right, cool. Congratulations. Do an ultrasound. Let's see what's going on. Make sure everything's going well. So take an ultrasound and sure enough, we are pregnant and we were pregnant with twins. And man, that was just so cool because it was like this dream that my wife had always had. You know, it was like now, like a reality. And so we were super excited about that. And um, so while he's sitting there talking to us, still kind of doing the ultrasound, nurses in there in the room with us. And he was like, uh, "Hey, move move that wand over just a little bit." Talking to the nurse. And we were like, "Okay." And once he looked a little concerned, I guess would be the way to say it. And he was like. You know, actually, uh, you were pregnant with triplets. Uh, and, man, let me just say that, like, we kind of both went from, like, elated excitement to almost, like, panic, you know, and fear. Not mm-hmm. from a standpoint of, like, thinking, like, anything bad was going to happen medically, but just, like, holy moly, like, triplets? Like, she's got to carry three babies in her? And then, like, how are we going to handle that? Like, you know, you're 20-something years old and you get pregnant. You're a little freaked out anyway, but excited. And then... And then twins, and then triplets. So mm. we were like, "Hey, look around a little bit more, brother. Like, make sure you know. Let's see <laughs> what's going four on." Four or five in there. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So just wanted to be sure. And so, so sure enough, man, we're in that less than one percent category. They got mm. pregnant with multiples, you know, on on our first go round. And uh, you know, man, it, it, it was it was surreal. It was uh, we were in like we were like dumbfounded. You know, that's the best way. Like, kind of dumbstruck. You know, I just remember us kind of having those wide-eyed, like, panic, like, what in the world? How are we going to take care of three kids? You know, me as the provider, I'm already immediately thinking, man, that's three mouths to feed. That's three colleges to pay for. That's three cars mm-hmm. to pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or then I started thinking, no, one car, they're going to share. Well, Monday you drive, Tuesday you drive, Wednesday you drive, you know. And then I'm like, what if they're all girls? You know, that's mm-hmm. three weddings and, you know, all that stuff. And, and um, so before we left, uh, I remember him saying, he was like, you know, this you're a small-framed woman. He was like, it's going to be really difficult for you to carry these three these three babies because you're so little. And we didn't think anything about that. We were just like, yeah, whatever. Man, God's favor is with us. You know, we're, we're going to be fine. And he said, I want to offer you the option to, you know, basically downsize this pregnancy. He was like, you may want to choose to uh, essentially end the lives of one of these kids or two of these kids if you think that, two is too many than three or, or they one or you know and and immediately we were just like no way brother like we can't we can't imagine like making that choice like how do you choose like yes i want to you know basically kill this kid but not this kid you know we just man we couldn't do it we were just like look we think god's favor's on us we're gonna be good to go and sh- we're gonna figure it out like she's gonna be fine so um, that's what we decided. We're like, we're going with it. So I remember getting in the car, and we were both like sat in the car, like neither one of us talking, like looking straight ahead, like what do we do? And um, 
so then we started the phone calls, man, just telling everybody, hey, we're pregnant, and guess what? You know, we got triplets. Mm. Um, so exciting times for sure. So, man, we just, you know, we were starting to think and starting to prepare. Actually, we started looking for another house because we're like, all right, the house we're in is not going <laughs> to, like, it's not going to suffice for a room with three cribs in it and that kind of thing. And, and um, fast forward uh, several, you know, I guess months down the road, and we uh they're like hey you want to find out what you're having and my wife is the ultimate planner which is a blessing because i'm ultimately not a planner and um she was like yes we want to find out what co- what we're having so we can figure out what color the nurse is going to be and what the bed sheets are going to be like what kind of clothes we need to get you know all this stuff and so so we go and they do the ultrasound to find out the sex of the baby and ultrasound number one it's a girl it's like cool got a little girl ultrasound you know Look it over at number two, baby number two. It's a girl. Okay, awesome. Two girls. All right, rolling a dice for that third one. Got to be, got to be a little boy in there. Ultrasound <laughs> number three. It's another girl, right? So now we're having three girls. So now again, I'm all into full freak out mode, thinking about <laughs> I've got to pay for three weddings. Like maybe they can join some cult and I'll just get married at the same time, you know, or something like that to save some money. <laughs> Um, but super excited, man, super excited, you know, just thinking, holy moly, I'm going to be the father of these three beautiful girls. And I'm already starting to think, you know, just about how beautiful they're going to be and, you know, like how crazy that's going to be, like, you know, pushing them through the mall and their little triplet stroller and, and um, you know, I'm seeing three Barbie Jeeps, you know, lined up in the garage and, you know, and all this stuff. And, um, and so we're super excited. And, uh, you know, I remember... Uh, I remember that's just the way it was. So we start looking for all, you know, all girly stuff and starting to paint the nursery and, you know, and, and looking for, for, uh, you know, for bed sheets and whatnot. And, and, and everything's going great, man. And then I'm just working. She's, she gets put on bed rest about 20 weeks because she's just, you know, at 20 weeks, she's kind of like the size of like full term, you know, just from the standpoint of, she had three babies in her belly, right? And so her her high-risk pregnancy doctor was like, all right, you got to go on bed rest. You know, you, you got to stop work, go home. It's like you just got to lay down most of the day. You can get up and walk around for a couple hours a day, but that's it. So she's doing it, man, just whatever she's got to do. Everything he says to do, she's doing. So I get a phone call um, Friday afternoon at work. Um, it's like February 24th, 25th, something like that. Uh, 2005 and she's just sobbing and I'm like what's wrong she's like I I started feeling this pressure like last night and 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 the night before we had went to dinner like I got off work and met her out at this little Italian place we'd go to eat and um well she didn't you know her face she didn't look great like I just tell in her face she didn't look she didn't feel so good I was like what's the matter she's like I don't know I just felt a little weird today she's like I had like this little pressure kind of down on my admin she's like but call my daughter she says probably fine or whatever and I was like all right I was like you want you want to go home now I'll be okay so that night we go home and yeah she seemed to be okay um but as it, the next day went on she just kind of kept feeling that same that same feeling and so she's like I go to the doctor and get checked out uh, she goes, she was like, yeah, I came to the daughter, you know, she's sobbing again, I'm on the phone. And so I'm already like heading out the door, you know, at this point, like getting my keys and getting, going to the car. She's like, I'm at the OB's office. He said that I'm in preterm labor 
and I got to go to the hospital right now. You need to come pick me up. So she's only 25 weeks, uh, give or take, um, maybe a little bit less than 25 weeks pregnant this time. So not, not a good situation when you're supposed to be pregnant for another four months, right? Doctor, the high-risk doctor always told us he just wanted us to at least get to like 32 weeks, right? So we're still seven weeks out from where he said he wanted the babies. Um, and so that's not a good situation, you know. So I go to the OB's office, you know, go get her, take her to the hospital. Um, they give us a little sheet of paper. They're like, hey, just show this to the people when you get up to the to the desk on the on the labor and delivery floor. Uh, delivery floor. So we, we go in, go upstairs. I give the paper to the lady, and she's like... Uh, Actually, no, forgive me. I didn't give it to her first. She was like, she just looked at us like, why are you here? And I was like, her daughter's office didn't call you? They're like, no, what are you, what are you doing here? We are like, she is in, apparently in preterm labor, and they told us to just come up here. And so I gave them this paper, and immediately when I gave her the paper, the nurse looked at it, and like her eyes got huge, and she was like, okay, come with me. So immediately this whirlwind starts of uh, putting my wife in this triage room. These nurses come in, and then, then like, they... They're like, all right, we got to give you this shot um, to help develop the baby's lungs because, you know, you're in preterm labor and we've got to get their lungs developed as quickly as possible. We've got to try to keep you pregnant as, as long as possible. Um, it's like a whirlwind of nurses coming in, sticking my wife with stuff. And and um, and then, like, these nursing students come in, which so like 10 nursing students come in this room. They're all watching. And, man, it was crazy. It's like we were part of, like, this three-ring circus all of a sudden. So... Um, a lot of emotion, a lot of adrenaline, you know, for my wife and certainly for me too. And, and I just remember one of the nurses saying, you are now a permanent resident of Spartanburg Regional Medical Center until these babies are born, which we hope is in about seven weeks. And so, man, you know, that was like, what is happening, you know, right now? We, we go from eating dinner the night before to, to this. And um, so, yeah, sure enough, man, she had started to dilate, um, started going to preterm labor, and they, uh, they admitted her and immediately hooked her up to these medications that were supposed to like slow down contractions, um, end up um, putting her in, in, a, in a bed that they had her inverted, they call it in Trendelenburg position, so she's like literally kind of like her head is below her feet, um, so she's kind of slightly, you know, slightly with her feet above her head which is a weird position to to be in i'm sure because now you got the blood kind of rushing to your head and uh and man that was our first day you know that was our first first couple hours there so it was a rough few few days um trying to keep her pregnant basically trying to not let the labor um continue and uh unfortunately long story short she delivered um too early uh, ended up that the one baby just started coming and they were like, okay, we got a couple options. You can deliver this baby and try to leave the other two inside. We don't know if that'll happen or not, you know. And um, so she ended up, uh, we ended up deciding she had a C-section and delivered all three. So they're about 25 weeks uh, pregnant, uh, or, or at, you know, they are 25 weeks old, um, you know, into term out of 40 weeks. And obviously, you know, very 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 premature so they go and you know obviously admitted into the NICU um, so we had three daughters uh, Reese Vivian and Sophia um, I can't remember the exact weights they were they were one five one seven and one nine if I can stop you for just a second Gabe uh, what was her birth date 
Thank you. March 1st, uh, 2005. So we were actually just in the hospital for about five days, you know, before she ended up delivering instead of seven weeks. Um, and again, I've detailed a lot more of that story and kind of what went through in, in the book. In our book, that will be done. Um, but yeah, March 1st, 2005, thank you, was her birthday. And so um, certainly March 1st, special date for us, um, for sure. And so they were little, you know, one five, one seven, one nine. They're in the Nick. They're in the NICU. Um, honestly, man, that place is. I mean, it's amazing what they do. And uh, you know, met met lots of people uh, since then. That their kids were born at the same gestation time and same weight and that kind of thing, and, and kind of made it out, you know, of, of the NICU. Um, unfortunately, we weren't weren't that, you know, lucky. But um, Reese. She um, she only lived a day. Um, she coded a couple times, uh, just her, you know, at that age, man, stuff's just not working right, you know, and so her heart just kind of quit working. They had to, we had to witness her like getting epinephrine shots right into her heart and doing chest compressions, and that was that was crazy. And uh, and she unfortunately passed away the next day. Um, same situation happened again, and they were like, look. We can do the epinephrine shots again, but her body's just been so damaged and without oxygen for so long, like it's only it'll only like give her a few more days or hours, you know. And we were like, we'll just not put her through that again because it was very traumatic looking for sure. Um, so so she passed away then. Um, uh, after that, we had to you know, prepare for a funeral, um, for our, for our infant, and, you know, that wasn't a lot of fun, and I remember preparing for her funeral, and, and Vivian, she was not doing well, she had, she was having, she had kind of had some of the same issues there with her, like, potassium dropping, heart, heart, you know, challenges, and the, I remember the funeral director guy saying, like, do you want to just wait, you know, you just want to wait a few days before we, you know, have the funeral um, because what if your other one, you know, passes and then you don't have to have the expense of going through two funerals there. We just all do, do them at the same time. And, man, we were like, no, because we're holding out hope. You know, she's going to be fine. So March 5th, 2005, we bury Reese. Um, then um, a few weeks later, unfortunately, Vivian, she ends up, developing a brain bleed and um she you know just kind of deteriorates from there uh, she ends up not not making it gets an infection really affects her kidneys and her body shuts down so then like march 21st vivian passes away so same deal i have to go back to the funeral home same process you know get another casket you know the whole thing um a few days later i had a funeral for for vivian and Sophia is still in the hospital. Um, you know, my wife is, you know, not working. Obviously, she's up at the hospital at NICU every waking minute that they'll let her be there. You know, um, kind of the way our days would go. You know, I'd wake up about six. Um, I'd get up. I'd, I was I was going back to work uh, after that, like that next couple of days after we buried Reese. I was just like, okay, I can't stay at work anymore right now. I got to go back to work. And so she was. I get up at six, go up to the hospital for a couple hours, um, you know, 
or well, not for a couple hours. I would get to go to the hospital for about 45 minutes from like 8 to 8.45, get in the car, go to work. At lunch, I'd go back up there, and my wife would, you know, as soon as she got up, she'd just go up there and just sit by the girls. Um, and now we're talking about just Sophia, um, you know, all day. Um, just sit by her, her little incubator crib thing. And Sophia's coming along. Man, she's she's doing okay. It's a slow process, they tell her. You know, she has kind of some ups and downs, some bumps in a row, but, like, things are looking pretty good. So now we're, you know, late March into April she's still doing pretty good she's growing um, you know now we're now we're into May still doing pretty good looking pretty good she's growing get to about the third week of May in the second week third week of May of again 2005 and um, Sophia's also had a brain bleed but they but it looks like it's gonna resolve and like self-heal and so things are looking good and then she gets an infection and her kidneys shut down and within a few days, she passes away as well. So she ends up passing on May 22nd, 2005. And so, you know, now we are, you know, really devastated, obviously. Um, all three of our children have been born. We're thankful for them and the time we spent with them, but now they've all passed as well. And uh, now we got to go back, you know, and, and have another funeral, uh, which would be our last. Um, and that was that was difficult so um within within that few months you know we had one that lived a day one that lived three weeks one that lived three months and uh thankfully they're all able to be buried together actually in the same grave um you know three separate caskets um and um sad situation obviously but through god's grace about you know a little while later and we get pregnant again and this time it's a single baby no fertility meds it just kind of happened and um, our daughter Avery was born on November 27 2006 so about a year and a half later uh, she had kind of a rocky start wife had a tough pregnancy with her as well but she uh, had to spend a couple days in the special care nursery because some lung issues but Man, she's she's great. Fourteen years old now. Um, I think she's a genius. She's beautiful. Plays guitar. Plays plays basketball. Plays soccer. Um, she's just amazing. Loves the Lord. Following Him. Um, a little while after that, we got pregnant again uh, in 2008, and so Avery was about a year and a half old, and super pumped about that. Uh, it was one of those things where we were kind of like scared, you know, excited, scared at the same time. And unfortunately, we ended up miscarrying at about 10 weeks with that child. Um, just a routine OB visit to make sure everything was good. And went in and was like, you know, we, we're not finding a, a heartbeat this time. And so wife had to have a DNC for that, so that was tough. Um, and um, that kind of led us down a path of thinking about hey do we get pregnant again or not and um we we decided to to not go that route but we do have two other children who we have adopted and they are a blessing so um that's our story yeah and it looks like you've been making some notes over there so mm -hmm. let you if you want to get into some questions yeah man thanks for sharing that um yeah the, the first question that that popped up uh, as you were talking there near the beginning was uh something that we didn't didn't really get into with with Hannah and I's story, but uh, 
we also went through infertility. Um, we had to go to an endocrinologist and a, and a, you know, just whatever, a, a fertility doctor. And uh, I was just wondering if you would kind of talk about having gone through that infertility and then it working, how does that kind of change the whole experience of losing a child of like, this is not just like, like every child is a blessing, of course, but this is not just you and a wife were hoping to get pregnant. Things were cool, normal, and you, you got pregnant and you were just excited. Like you, you worked for this baby, you, you prayed, you were, you spent a lot more time anguishing over, you couldn't get pregnant and you wanted to. How does that change the whole experience of then losing a child? And did that change how you trust God you know, through that infertility experience. And then for Hannah and I, it was kind of, we look forward to this, we prayed for this, and then it ultimately still didn't work out even after the year of trying. Yeah, I would say initially, like, um, there was guilt. And, and honestly, it probably still is to some degree of thinking like, should I have just trusted God in his mm-hmm. timing more mm-hmm. than jumping into fertility meds? You yeah. know, because... Number one, I'm a chiropractor, so, you know, I'm all about natural stuff anyway. And the fact that I was like, okay, after like two years of trying and not getting pregnant, and then like, okay, we got to go this medical route. Like I felt kind of guilt from a Mm -hmm. professional standpoint, you know, but also from a spiritual standpoint of like, man, I should have just trusted God because if I had trusted him with the timing of this pregnancy and not jumped the gun and taken matters into my own hands, so to speak, then maybe we wouldn't have gone through, maybe our girls wouldn't have suffered like they suffered, you know, maybe, yeah. would, maybe my wife wouldn't have suffered like she suffered. And so um, uh, there was that for sure. Um, but I think moving past that, you know, after we after we did have the girls and, and it didn't work out, you know, we, we, I think we had two thoughts. One was, okay, we're probably not gonna go the fertility route again. Mm-hmm. like not going to happen just because we were the less than one percent mm-hmm. right yeah um and we're like, okay we're going to just trust god for the next go round, you mm-hmm. know and see that where that leads us um mm-hmm. but number two i think it you know for us in a sense that it it we it did work out in mm-hmm. that yes we lost them because of the fact probably that we took fertility medication that made her get pregnant with three babies you know um but we at least got pregnant, you mm-hmm. know, like I think yeah. uh, how many friends that we have and people have I known throughout the years that try and try and try and try and try and never even get to carry a baby, mm-hmm. you know, much. And we actually saw our ch- children, you know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't get to hold Reese until she had passed, you know, but I did get to hold Vivian while she was alive, did get to hold Sophia while she was alive, you know, and so mm-hmm. that was a blessing to be able to see them, you know, to be pregnant number one and then to see them, you know, mm-hmm. and so... So we were thankful for that, you know, that we at least had that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't, you know, obviously um, it didn't deter us from trying to get pregnant again, even though that was a terrible experience. And, you you know, just like y'all went through, it's like, okay, it was an awful experience, but hey, round two, let's go again, Mm -hmm. you know, because when we started looking back, we see that, my goodness, you know, people throughout history have have suffered child loss and they keep going too, and we had to do the same thing. Mm Yeah, I think that's similar to how Hannah and I felt that we, like you said, we still ask those questions. Like, if we had just trusted God, would things have been different? Would we have to go through this? Would does something in that fertility treatment change your body? Change your, you know, we didn't have multiples; we just had Gabriel. But uh, 
you know, we, we felt that same guilt. And I, I think that's, I would imagine that's probably natural for anyone to feel yeah. that, uh, you know, you, you kind of take things into your own hands. And then when things don't work out, you're always, you're naturally just going to say, you know, what could I have done differently? So I, I certainly think that's true. And, uh, I think there's, like you said, you know, sometimes, sometimes medicine maybe can go too far. There's some things going on out there that are a little, a little crazy, you know, with some embryos and things like that. But I, I think, uh, to a certain extent, you know, the Lord has blessed humankind with wisdom. And I think it's, it is a gift that people who aren't able to get pregnant naturally are able to through, through medical technology. That's and, right. That's and, right. uh, so yeah, I agree with you, but there's always, there's always that, uh, that guilt. And that's probably a um, stage of grief, you know, yeah. like if you look at yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you too, similar to what you asked me, um, kind of in that moment where things went from everything's good, we're trucking along, you know, we're, we're halfway through to something's wrong and then you get to the hospital and it's like something's really wrong. And then you get to the point where she's in labor, like she's actively in labor and they're coming. Uh, kind of what, did you go through the same feelings of shock? Like what was your experience and what, what did you do in that moment? Did you have the same like switch flip kind of time where you were, okay, I've got to do this for my wife. I've got to get back to work. I've got to, you know, do these things. Or did you have a different experience where you kind of rested in that longer? Um, and, and kind of what did that look like? Yeah, I think adrenaline is the best way to describe mm-hmm. it, man. Because we, like, one night we're, we're you know, whatever it was, February 28th, I guess, we're, uh, they're like, hey, she started not doing well, my wife. She started mm-hmm. having some, like, swelling of her lungs because of that position mm-hmm. they had had her in for so mm-hmm. long. And they're like, okay, now it's either we save the babies or we save you. Mm-hmm. And as I'm like, we're saving my wife, right? Like, we, we're going to trust in your medical knowledge to figure out how you're going to save our kids over there in the NICU, right? Mm. We got to save her, right? So we set her up and set her up so her lungs would drain and give her some yeah. medication, make her lungs drain. And then we're like, God, so we got one doctor that's coming in, like this older, probably the same dude. I'm not oh. going to say his name, <laughs> based on what you're telling me. Maybe the same guy. Um, and he was like, okay, we need to go ahead and deliver these babies tonight uh, because they're going to be born prematurely whether we do it tonight or tomorrow, it's it's inconsequential. We need to do it now. Mm. And uh, then this other doctor, the neonatologist, was like, don't even think about that. You need to give these babies every other chance that, that they can to stay in the womb longer. What mm. if her body gets out of labor and doesn't deliver, and then you've basically given your children a death sentence? Mm-hmm. So, man, lot to one more, like, what do we do? You know, so we prayed about it and ultimately came to the decision, all right, we're not going to deliver we're going to just let nature take its course right mm-hmm. and so we go to bed sleep like babies at night which mm-hmm. is great um and woke up the next morning everything's good like i go out of the room to i don't know go to some go to the restroom or like go get a muffin or something i can't remember and i come back in and my wife's like something's not right mm-hmm. and she was like in labor right and so immediately it's like this adrenaline kicks in and so yes it became a very like protective thing like mm-hmm. i run out in the hallway and i'm like you know, like finding a nurse, like get in here right now. She says something's going on. She's in labor, you know. So then the nurse comes in, kind of calm, and mm-hmm. as soon as she checks, she's like, "Oh shoot, mm-hmm. you know, yeah." Mm-hmm. So the wheels start turning, and so um, so is adrenaline, dude. I was, yeah. I mean, I was just shaking, like mm-hmm. you know, like I couldn't control it, that kind of thing. And then 
And then thereafter, you know, it was like, all right, what can I do? I've got to take care of these kids. I've got to take care of my wife too, you know. And so um, that's the way it was, you know, for the next, well, that's the way it's been for the, for the next, for the last 16 years, you know, now really. All yeah. My, um, yeah, so 16 years mm. was just what can I do to protect her? Mm-hmm. What can I do to comfort her? What can I do to, you know, take care of my kids too? Yeah. Um, what was your relationship with God like when, like that moment, like when you were, before anything was happening with your girls, like what was your relationship with God like and, and where were you in your walk? Yeah, I think it was, I mean, I think it was good. Um, I had just been, you know, given my life to him at a young age and then kind of been all over the place, you know, with it, um, as far as like growing, not growing, that kind of thing in my faith. And, but I think that consistently, you know, in my life I had, spent time with the Lord in prayer, reading the word, you know, that, and, and so I had that good base. Mm-hmm. Um, I mixed some of that with, I think, kind of a wrong view of God and of scripture of that. It was like a lot of this if then mentality, like mm-hmm. if I follow you, then you will bless me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like word of faith movement yeah. kind of stuff, whatever. And so, when all this went down and all of a sudden like stuff's not going like I had been praying for it to go, it was really like faith shaking because not because God had done anything wrong because he had moved, but because my understanding of him had now completely changed. Mm. He wasn't this genie in a bottle that I just prayed to and and he makes everything perfect and right. I mean, man, we were, we were living a dream. We were 20 something years old, had, had great jobs, great careers, you know, house, cars, like triplet babies on the way. Like everything was just like, you know, phenomenal. And then all of a sudden it's not, you know. And so like I was shaken to the core at my faith because mm-hmm. because I did not have a complete and correct understanding of, of God, yeah. you know. And so, but I had an understanding of him and I had a relationship with him. And so because mm-hmm. of that, he was able to, over time, help me to see and understand, I'll say the error of my understanding of, about him and that's honestly a lot of where that book came out of that mm-hmm. that we wrote because it was me kind of wrestling through those theological questions mm-hmm. of you know uh, that I had you yeah. know during those days in the hospital and then during those days when our girls mm-hmm. were in the NICU and then during those days after our girls had passed away yeah. you know and so um, I was thankful for that base of a relationship and that knowledge of scripture that I have because God was able to bring that back to my mind and be like okay remember this this is how you took it, but this is how it actually, what I really meant mm-hmm. by it. Yeah. And that was helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's something we should get into in another episode, just the understanding of God. Cause I think you're, I don't think you are alone in feeling that way about God and our, our culture now. I think that's a, a thing that it's, it's real easy to grow up. And, and I've, I've felt that way at times. So it's like, like you said, God's a genie in a bottle. I do all the right things and good things are going to come to me. And I think that's a, an easy misunderstanding to make in our culture. And yeah, that'd be a great thing to go into. Um, just a couple other things here. Um, I imagine that you felt helpless like I did when, when we found out about Gabriel. Um, how did you handle that feeling of helplessness when your girls were in the NICU? Um, you know, they're in, we'll get into the experience with, with my daughter that was just born, but it was not as critical, but it was similar in that, she's in a little pod they're doing everything for her you know all these machines and things like that and uh you feel like you know you see your child suffering or you see your child just in a in a point where you want to make things better but you can't um how did you handle that 
helplessness? Uh, did you, you know, were you communicating with your wife and talking through that together? Uh, did you communicate with your pastor, with your friends, or was it was it prayer, a combination of all that? Yeah, definitely a combination. I mean, certainly I was getting up at you know six in the morning, spend some time in prayer, just kind of getting ready for the day, and that was helpful. And then um, my wife and I would definitely talk every chance we that we got. You know, most of the time our talks were going to be. Um, in the evening on the way home from the mm -hmm. hospital. You know, we would get home about midnight, uh, crash and do it again the next day kind of mm -hmm. thing. And so we would have an opportunity then, to then talk. And, you know, just having her there was a blessing because she was, like, even though she wasn't, like, administering the medication, you know, changing the IVs, doing all the stuff that those nurses, amazing NICU nurses were doing, mm -hmm. she was still the mama. Mm -hmm. And, like, she just intuitively, like, knew if something wasn't right with one of the girls or, like, mm -hmm. Man, if they were laying on a a clip, you know, that mm. was affecting them, like she mm. just knew, and she would be like, "Come here, nurse, fix this." And the nurse would be like, "Oh, she's fine." She's like, "No, she's not." And the nurse would be like, "Oh gosh, you're right," you know. And, mm -hmm. and so that was so cool. And yeah. yes, talked to my pastor and talked to you know pastors, I guess, a couple of times. They would kind of make me talk to them because I didn't want to, you mm -hmm. know. But it was helpful, you know. And and just realizing that in that situation, man, they were just in God's hands, you know, because mm -hmm. there was nothing I could do. You mm -hmm. know, it was in, they were in God's yeah. hands, they were in the hands of the doctors and nurses at the NICU. And, and you know, it's one of those things that, you know, God had, he had his plan, and his plan worked out. You mm -hmm. know, it's not really the way we wanted it to work out, but we trust that it was the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where we had to kind of end on. Yeah. Yeah, just one last question here I think is important going forward in the podcast and going forward in life and, and going forward in, in you and your wife's experience with having more children, uh, having gone through that loss, what fears did you have when thinking about getting pregnant again, when you got pregnant again, uh, with those same thoughts, like it's all going to happen again? You know, what was that experience like and how did you handle that? Yeah, man, we were scared. We weren't going to be able to get pregnant again, you know, number one. And then when we did, we were like, oh boy, you know, what's going to happen next? They're like, hey, you know, you, they were, they were like, it was probably a fluke that she went into, or not a fluke, but just because of the, the girth of those babies is mm -hmm. why she probably went into preterm labor. And they were like, if you have a single baby, it's probably not going to happen. But precautionary, they went ahead and did like at 20 weeks, they put like stitches in her cervix, like to mm -hmm. keep it closed, which was wow. a super weird procedure mm -hmm. for her to have done. And then she had to start having like these, some kind of shots, man. There was 17 hydroxyprogesterone, I remember that now. Hmm. Uh, every week she had to go and have this giant needle stuck in her leg hmm. um, at 20 weeks. Um, so, and Avery was born at 37, so for 17 weeks straight, man, she went to the doctor and got this big giant needle stuck in her leg that was supposed to, it was some study that had been done that showed that that was supposed to not allow women that had gone through preterm labor before hmm. to do it again, you know, and so, that whole time, we're like, oh, man, we hope this works, mm -hmm. you know, and, and but then thinking, what's this medication doing to my wife? What's this medication doing to my baby? And mm -hmm. and, um, and reading some of the potential side effects was super scary. And then, uh, and then, you know, when Avery was born, like, we're like, hey, we're, bring her to us, right? Mm -hmm. So she ended up having a C-section. We'll have her back to the room in 30 minutes or so. Man, it's an hour, hour and a half. She's not with us. And mm. we find, we're like, where is she? What's the deal? Well, she's not breathing right. She's having some lung problems. We got her in a special care nursery. We were at different hospitals, so it wasn't a full-out NICU. Um, they are like, we think she's going to be okay. But, man, like, 
Mm-hmm. Now we got to go back and see our baby in another NICU setting, not in an incubator, but just in a, in a nursery with oxygen on and all this stuff and like IV and man, mm-hmm. we're like, oh man, like here we go again, right? So it was a scary couple of couple of days there and then mm-hmm. thankfully she was fine and, and everything's been good to go. Um, so yeah, we had all this, yeah. all those fears, you know, and, I, and, and, and I, something I've been kind of reading through now and through Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, do not conform me along to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's been weighing on my heart recently is, is that I think we were also kind of projecting into that situation, like a negative thing. Like mm-hmm. this is what our experiences were in the past with delivery and pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So it's probably going to be our experience in the future. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that I'm not saying that we created that, but I'm just saying we didn't help that, you know? And so it's like, we have to, yeah. we really needed to like get out of that mindset of it's going to be bad mm-hmm. and, and realize that God's like, no, it's, I've got your good at heart. Yeah. You know, not, not bad. Yeah. yeah. Bad stuff happens, but just trust me that I've got, I've got your good in mind. Yeah, yeah, stressing yourselves out unnecessarily, and like you said, maybe causing problems with the pregnancy with all that stress. Mm-hmm. And I know that's something that Hannah and I went through. The doctor say eliminate as much stress as possible, and yeah. and having gone through that loss with with Hannah and with this most recent pregnancy with us, we had some of the same feelings that like like for Gabriel, everything was fine all the way up to two days before his due date, everything was perfectly fine. We had an appointment with our midwife two days before we went to the hospital and everything was great. And so to go from that to he's gone, we had the same fears all the way along. We had checks and all this stuff and everything was good. And then we had the fear we'd get all the way up to the day and something would be wrong with her. And so I think that's, that's nearly impossible as a human to just say well I'll just eliminate stress I won't worry about that right. but like you say I think telling yourself like intentionally choosing to trust the Lord and to cast your fears and your cares on him and allow him to carry you I think is, is the only way you're going to eliminate that stress um, like uh, we appreciate this time we've had together Gabe thank you, and uh, thank you for sharing your story and for, for being open and, and honest and just for allowing the, the Lord to be glorified through your girls and through you and your wife's lives. You. And uh, we appreciate all of y'all listening and sticking with us through this uh, episode now. And we hope that you'll tune in. We hope that you uh, will check out on social media. You'll check out our Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. And you can search Lost Boys to Found Fathers and find us on all of those. And they're also linked together. So if you find us on one, you should be able to find us on the others. And also, Gabe uh, mentioned that much more of the story of his girls is in his book that will be done question mark uh, if you want to find it it's that will be done book.com thank you very much <laughs>